This episode gets off kind of to a quick start, so I wanted to add a little bit of context. On Friday, I was hanging out at home after picking up the ambulance, and Emilio Cervantes from 949 Racing and Max's Super Miata Cup messaged me and said, why don't you come out to Chuckwalla Valley Raceway this weekend, and we can record a podcast after the Max's Super Miata Cup barbecue. So for those of you that don't know, Max's Super Miata Cup uh, is a series that is run out here, hosted by the guys from 949 Racing. They have S1, S2, and S3 class cars. If you want to know more about it, you can go listen to some of our previous episodes that we had with Emilio and the 949 Racing crew. Anyways, they've become known for their barbecues after the events on Saturday night and went out to that. Chef Andrew Wong cooked dinner for everybody. It was really, really good, so really appreciate the hospitality from those guys. But this is the show that we recorded afterwards. So to let you know, we were first joined by Emilio Cervantes from 949 Racing, Andrew Kidd from Track Speed Engineering, Sonny Wantanasirisuk from 949 Racing, and also later on we we're joined by William Chen and Manny Hernandez. So it's a great weekend. Really appreciate those guys. And uh, we'll go ahead and get the show started. Just wanted to fill you guys in on what was going on. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back on Friday with another episode. Slope Angle Show. I'm Austin Cabot, and tonight we are at Chuck Waller uh, Raceway in somewhere California. I don't even really know exactly where. Desert of, Center, California. Out, okay, desert. It is we're Desert in, Center, isn't it? Yeah. We are in the center of the desert, literally. It's about, uh, where nobody knows its name. It's about 45 <laughs> minutes uh, east of Indio, and uh, you go about another half hour east, and you are in Arizona. Okay. So, uh, so we're, if, we're like if, halfway between L.A. and Phoenix. Uh, closer to Phoenix than L.A., I think. And okay. uh, if you've ever gone to Joshua Tree, which I highly recommend, especially this time of year, um, it's just north of us. Okay. So Joshua Tree, this i, I got to put in a plug for this. So there's a spring bloom there. And I don't know if it, some people don't get into the desert. It's like I don't get it. It's all flat. Like to me, it's like amazing. It's like a spiritual experience. But anyway, Joshua Tree, there's a uh, uh, in spring, there's always a period of about uh, two to four weeks where all the desert flowers bloom. And some of them are these little teeny tiny things and some of these big giant things. But they bloom and then they're gone. So it's this real, you know... Like very temporary. Yeah, it's this very mercurial experience. And uh, and like here we are, it's, you know, ten, 9 to 10 o'clock at night. And we're looking up at this amazing... Uh, black sky that's you know dotted with uh, dotted with stars that you don't see in the city even with the light pollution from the the trailers and everything we can still see just this amazing sky at joshua tree you go um uh it uh you go when there's a full moon and you can go hiking around at night it's so bright really oh just yeah that clear we used to ride our mountain bikes at night you'd you'd, you'd, <laughs> you'd roll out from the campground and everybody would start out really slow let your eyes adjust and just don't turn the lights on and after a while you can see just like walking around in the daytime. It's so bright because there's, wow. you know, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So anyway, that's 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 where we are. Mountain biking night vision edition. Yeah, yeah, nice. So we're at the Chuck Wally, Chuck Wally, yeah. Chuck, exactly, Chuck Wally, yes. Chuck Wally, 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 Chuck Wally,
Oh yeah, I left Valley out, didn't I? Yeah. No, wow. no, he's, I think you said it. Oh, did he? Did he? I, I don't did. think I did. I, this did is you? my first time here. That's fine. Uh, otherwise known as CBR for your locals. Right. So uh, there's a it's a Speed Ventures hosted HPD event, and that's uh, the host for the Super Miata races. And we're this is a Super Miata race weekend. So we have a couple of the new S1 turbo cars here, and we have a field of S2s and a couple of the S3s. The S3s are basically a spec Miata. So um, William Chen is here uh, in his... Uh, you on both races? Yes, I did. Yeah, badass. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Humble. So uh, so a, a tradition? Andrew called it... But the, it's like a festival event, as far as I'm, as far yeah, as I'm it's concerned. The, it is. It's a it's cool the, event. It's a Super Miata barbecue edition uh, podcast. Yeah. But yeah, the Chuck Wall event, um, just because it's so nice out here in the desert... Um, a lot of the other tracks, either we can't camp or it's just not like Button Willow. It's always kind of, it, I hate to say this, but it basically smells because it's, yeah. it's farmland. There's agriculture. It's just not in, in, in there's, and there's uh, uh, dust from the farming. The, the particulates out at Button Willow are terrible. You can't see the sky at night. And you come out here in, at Chukwala, and it's like it's gorgeous. It's like being in Montana. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful out right now. Yeah, and it's, it's like it's like yeah, it's like seventy degrees, no breeze, and it's just it's amazing. So we uh, have a barbecue, and uh, Chef Andrew Wong uh, uh, cooks up some amazing stuff. Uh, yeah, what called, what did we have tonight? We had some uh, some chicken stew. What was it? We had a Spanish uh, influenced uh, chicken stew. A little paprika, some chickpeas. It was really really yeah. good. Thank yeah. You. And most really of the, the grilled vegetables, that was like a appetizer thing? Uh, yeah, just a cold uh, grilled vegetable salad. Right. A little Missed bit of out zucchini, on that. Uh, bell peppers, and eggplant. And some good bread, some sangria. Yeah. The bread is a traditional Catalan uh, staple. Um, like every meal is served with that, and they call it pa, um, tomaque. It's not Spanish at all. And you, you yeah. told me you just got back from yeah. three weeks. Um, In Barcelona. Yeah, that, sounds Barcelona. Like, that sounds Basque. <laughs> it's a uh, Catalan. Okay. Now it was it was really really good. So thanks, thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. You guys really know how to uh, how to enjoy yourselves at the track, man. You really do. I'm kind of a I'm kind of a pleasure hound. <laughs> I've, I've had friends say it's like you really know how you enjoy yourselves. Like yeah, you know, life's short. So yeah, so you know, I've mentioned this before in uh, one of the other podcasts. Uh, Super Miata is about the the culture and the group of friends and the time spending the time together. As much as it is the racing. I mean, I want the racing to be, like, really bitching. We're really looking forward to it, and you're motivated to do it. And we really work on the racecraft. We coach all the drivers, and there's that whole side of it. But, you know, like I, I, I said this before, I think, and again, in one of our other podcasts, was, uh, you know, the times that you remember at the track were the times you were there doing something with your friends. You're like, oh, remember that time we did this thing? It was really fun. And that's what you remember. Ten years from now, it wasn't like, oh, remember that pass I did? And like, no, I don't really remember that. I don't right. remember that. But remember that when we got lost and, and we, were, <laughs> got, we, were, we were drinking that beer? And all, all of a sudden, you, you, or, or you were chasing your friend around on the track. And that's, that's the stuff you remember. So that's what I've tried to build with this. And we all sort of, um, everybody who has an idea, hey, let's, let's add this. Let's add this other thing. And we kept, keep adding these elements. So, yeah, so that's what this, like, like Andrew says, it's like a festival. We come out here and yeah, we have really a big is. barbecue. Um, Lots of craft beer, lots of snacks all day, and, and uh, everybody hangs around. We have a big, this huge tent now. What's it? Probably 25 by 35, which is it's big if you're, if, if you're Poe like me. <laughs> it's not a semi, but it's a decent little compound so people can stay, come in and stay out of the heat. And, and one of the worst things about this track is honestly one of, the, one of the coolest things at the same time is where this track is an hour from any hotel. 
And so all the guys who come out to this event, they camp here. Yeah. It's, you're dedicated to being here. here for two full days. And so you're not, you know, ditching off to some hotel yeah. or, you know, peeling off from the town. There's no town. There's no hotel. It's an hour back to India from yeah. here. And so if you're here, you're committed and you're hanging out at the barbecue and you're hanging out with your friends. It's, That's right, it's a too. good time. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it, but you're right. Yeah, there's there's uh, little tents everywhere. And the nice thing here, other tracks where you decide to, to camp, you know, maybe the weather's not good. There's no firm ground here. The weather's it's beautiful. Gorgeous. It's, yeah, the weather's beautiful, you know. Yeah. So it's 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 ideal. I mean, if you anybody, the people who live, you know, in the West and have camped, uh, you know, in in the high desert, you know, in the spring, they know what it's like. It's amazing. And people from maybe the East are listening to this. They're like, "Well, I don't get it. Camping out in the desert is like, no, you got to try it. It's amazing." Yeah. Lay, laying on your back at night, you know, when you t- shut out all the lights and you're sitting staring at the sky at one in the morning is it's it's. It's a very special experience. Yeah, it's actually really comfortable out too. You know, I was seventy-five degrees. I was afraid it was no going to be like super cold yeah. or, no. or too hot, but right now it's it's perfect. No, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like you couldn't really make it any better. It's no no humidity, no wind, um, and like in the south, you get bugs everywhere. Here, there's a couple of mosquitoes around, but it's basically nearly bugless. You know, yeah. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. So this was round two, right? This is round two. Okay. We uh, we yeah. actually um, had to cancel. Uh, well, this is round three. We actually had to cancel round two uh, at Auto Club because oh, the, for the rain. Yeah, we had a you we had know, an actual winter. Yeah, we had an actual winter. <laughs> yeah, and and was weird. Spring was like two days. Yeah, it was yeah. It, like it just went from winter winter right into summer. You know, it was like wait 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 wait. <laughs> so, but yeah, we had crazy. I don't know if you, I'm, I'm sure people saw saw the news reports. Yeah, and, it's been it's been everywhere. Yeah, you know, just the the yeah, amount the of rain. Even yeah. driving out here from L.A., like coming up over the sixty. And everything's just green with mm-hmm. these rock formations and everything. It was really, really pretty. Places that are never green are green in California now. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a trip. Yeah, we, we've been in a drought for, what, 12 years or something like that? No, it's, it's six. six years. It's been long. Yeah, and, and we actually got, like, we have reservoirs full. And, and, and the, the kind of rain we had for 8, 10, 12 weeks was that kind of slow, drizzly rain. So it actually filled up the water tables. Normally, you know... We, oh, it's it's gonna rain, and then we get this big monsoon for a day, and it just kind of washes, washes all the mud all down, the, washes all the hills, all the houses down the hillsides. Yeah, but none of it goes into the into the in the water table. But this time, we actually filled up all the water tables, all the reservoirs are full. And uh, anyway, yeah, so we had a track event that was washed out because it was like a monsoon. <laughs> and uh, so this is this is round three. Okay, awesome. No, I, I appreciate the invite. You know, you you had messaged me last night. And I thought about coming out, but I was like, oh, it's a three-hour drive. Jessica's going to hang out on the weekend. And I told her. She's like, no, you should go. So brought the new ambulance out. I'm going to camp in ambulance. it tonight. Ambulance. Ambulance. What did you call it? I, I, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't named it we yet. we got to name it. I haven't named it. So yeah. It might name itself. Vehicles like that, you have them for a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, kind of, I was just kind of waiting. Like, I thought it, it kind it's of like a stray like, dog. you got to like, have it in the house for a couple of weeks, yeah. and then, then it names itself. Yeah. <laughs> like, to me, it kind of looks like a Lars... I don't know. Uh, that's a good name. Large, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. so so describe the describe the van a little bit. So people badass. people people on the podcast have uh, have heard about it. Oh, okay. Um, but I actually I bought it, so I purchased it yesterday. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna turn it into a camper and like trackside support vehicle, and yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Gonna do a lot of traveling, and uh, just Pretty do cool. more podcasts and hang yeah. out. And, I like the idea of converting it to all wheel drive. It's a two wheel drive yeah. now. Yes. It looks all-wheel drive because it's kind of big, got the big yeah, tires got, on it. Yeah, it's got a lift on the front, like a yeah. leveling kit, but yeah. it, it has so much weight in the back that it kind of, like, yeah. sags down a little and kind of has, like, a SoCal, like, bro stance to it. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to I need to alleviate that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the eventual cool. goal is to convert it to four-wheel drive and be able to, like, 
go up to Tahoe and stuff and go camping mm. in it. I, maybe put a wood burning stove in it. Oh, I think yeah. that'd be kind of kind of cool. That would be so or or warm. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Dang it, beating my beating me in my own game, man. <laughs> Need more beer. That would be good. So, but no. So today you guys had two races. Yep. Um, you know, I watched the whole thing from the top of the grandstands. Exciting races. Yeah, really, really good races, especially the second race in S two. Yeah. Was was pretty awesome to be honest. Yeah, there was a watching the, some of the in car from it was uh, was great. Some good battles. I mean, it's not it, it it's one thing to have the the two way, but uh, we love it when you get the the weird dynamic of a three way. You know, the the you know like several turns where the cars are side by side and then swapping and then swapping again and like no contact, but the cars are just like right next to each other and slithering, sliding the whole way and you know puff of dirt here and there all the way around the lap. You know, that's that's it's, it's exciting to be a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Now I want you guys to put up some of uh, put up some of Sonny's video from well, the in car. Yeah, I, I Sonny's think was the best. His vantage, yeah, his vantage point was the he best. He had the best, yeah, he had yeah. the best vantage point. So, did you get the 360 cam to work? I didn't. Did, it was so mine's rigid. mine's here. I know. I'm I like I, we we just we just got the one that William has and yeah, the fly and the I, fly 360. And any time I buy an electronic thing, I look at it and I go, "Here, Sonny, figure out how this works," <laughs> <laughs> and show me how to use it. So I haven't figured out how to use it yet. It's pretty wild. The video that William had from last event. That was amazing. That was a fantastic video. It was like no question about who was where around his yeah. car. You just spin the camera and figure out. Yeah, and that was the one on. you could do so. it on your phone, right? Once it's placed, you can sit there and... No, you just... Now, w- you William, can... you, were, you were running it during this these two races today, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay, I want to see the start from the second race Whoa, with the inverted I grid. set it up. Because there was some there was some awesome stuff going on, especially yeah. for like the first half of a lap. Yeah. There were just cars everywhere bunched up so tight, and it was, it was it's, really it's, awesome. It's pretty normal for us to be going like first couple turns, be going four wide. Yeah. Yep. You know, cars slithering, all four cars, you know, slithering, no contact. We're just like, like this. Yeah. And in Auto Club, I think we... Twice now, we've gone into turn three, come barreling in there at like 120 miles an hour, five wide. <laughs> it's just nuts. No, and this track, you know, I Dan took me for a ride in your huh? guys' ND, which, Great. by we the way, by the way, with the softer spring rates and the shock package on it mm-hmm. right now, like you could, you could nail the curbs and you couldn't even feel them. Oh, it's, it's it all was, the way, yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. But anyways, you know, I never really watched video of the track a whole lot. And even mm-hmm. if I did, I think I have watched a couple videos, but mm-hmm. you don't get a good sense for the elevation and what the bulls really like yeah. and stuff like that, and being out there, it just it completely blew my mind. This is this is an awesome track. It's a lot of fun. It really is. So and it, it's fast. It this seems is a really track. really fast. We love it. It's we one of my it. favorites in California. Oh, yeah. sure. I mean, you. Yeah. What Andrew? You towed like ten hours. You five hundred and twenty miles to get here. <laughs> like, so long. That's how much I like weekend. this track. Yeah. Yeah. I live I live close to Infineon, close to Thunder Hill. Like yeah. I, I live close to some nice tracks, and this is one of my favorites. Yeah, for and, sure. And Infineon's a you know it's a, it's a great track to race on. And it's fun to drive, but it's like a, it's a high risk track. There's yeah. places there you know you're a little nervous, and you, you kind of creep up as you get if you like you get a new car or a new setup, you kind of creep up to the speed there. And here it's a it's a California desert track, and it's got the best runoff of any track in California by far. Yeah, um, even Button Willow, and there's really only like one or two spots where you can get into trouble. Most of the spots, you can see that oh, I'm going to drop a wheel, and it's nice, smooth, hard pack, so it's no big deal. I'll just kind of you know slither, creep my way back on the track, no harm, no foul. Yeah, and if I really make a big mistake, I, it's dirty. Like my car gets dusty, yeah. and so you know. That's part of we get the, the kind of the wild west uh, uh, reputation out here because you can <laughs> you can. 
get up to the limit pretty quickly, chuck it off and go, oh, okay, well, that, that's where the limit is. But, you know, if you're on the East Coast and there's a guardrail or a, a downhill grassy slope into a tree, you're like, you, you maybe don't ever get to that limit. Or maybe it takes you a year or two here. It takes you like four laps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, and it's just, uh, this track, it's, it's wide, it's smooth, and it's got, what, four or five double apex turns in it? Big fourth gear big decreasing radius it's got so many break so many passing zones right yeah yeah it's, it's yeah the just, double apex turns what, what i love about it where you you go in and it kind of straightens out a little bit in the middle and then has kinks in again so you can cross o- under and over and back and forth i mean uh sunny and kyle you guys were went back and forth like two or three times in like in three turn in three turns crossing back and over and you can do that at this track and most tracks it's you know it's one turn you gotta wait for the for the next set of turns but here it's like in one turn you you'll pass and then get repassed um so it's it's a lot of fun to drive and it's yeah. mid speed too it's uh it's uh i think the average speed's probably fairly high but there's the straights are short it's just got it's got that one slightly uphill and then the one flat one in the front, and this one's only probably twelve hundred feet. It's not that long. No, not at all. You know, so it's not a super high speed track. It's all it's all mid speed. So arrow works. If yep. you got arrow, this is a good arrow track because you're going eighty up to around, around all these turns. Yeah, Andrew, what's all what's all the arrow like on on your car now? It's pretty wild. Yeah, it's uh, it's. You great. just went to a bigger wheel setup too, didn't you? So yeah, so the S one cars have a two forty five Maxxis RC one tire, so twenty mil wider than the R than the S two cars have. So we did that. We did a bigger splitter and then a wing package in the back, a real wing package. Okay. Um, APR did the wing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're pretty wild to drive yeah. around. So. Yeah, he was telling me that the, the coming off of, I guess it's five, that's the one with the second, it's uh, the second part of the turn is a little, a little, it's one of those double apex turns. And it's a little tighter at the beginning that opens up at the second. So the S2s, we do it in fourth gear, I don't know, probably 75 miles an hour, 80, I guess. And they're kind of squirrely. You're kind of like, just, just just keeping it on the track. So I and glanced he, once during my race. It was 92 miles an hour on exit, and wide, just planted wide open in fifth. And just planted. Like Dead it, planted. He was just, no the way he's describing it. You know, you ever watch the dirt tracks uh, cars where they get them hooked so up that they, 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 they sit on that right rear tire and they kind of lift the... It's, 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 he says, he's like, he's making motions and describing what it's like. I says, yeah, it looks like a circle track car. It just sits on that right rear and just goes and just rips off the turn. So yep. that's, the, that's the wing. That's the wing. And yeah. it's, that's a lot of fun. Nice. It's incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, fun I mean, cars. All it, it looked like you guys had a blast out there today, and then afterwards, you know, we we all had dinner. Yeah. Um, but then everybody was watching video. Everybody would bring their videos over their in car yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really cool to actually see. I know you guys have talked about it before. Yeah, it's something um, we kind of kicked around, and yeah. we, it. Uh, Williams, uh, the the IT manager, he took what three. This is the third try on on the TV getting the the hardware for the TV and the, the the lights and everything, so we can just plug the cards right into the TV. Yeah. But we had the idea to do. Um, because we were always doing video review on a laptop, and I had my big honking 17-inch, you know, uh, gaming laptop we would use, but it's just obviously just too small. Yeah. So we thought, why don't we do a TV? And then we thought about a small one. I was like, well, screw it. Let's just do a really huge one and sit it outside the trailer, and, and that way, like, 15 people can put it up there. So we spend, like, like the next hour and a half after the race, you know, we've got videos playing. And typically our schedules, so Saturday... You know, we, we, we practice all day, have call in the afternoon, and then the race is at the end of the day. And then basically we get out of the car, have the award ceremony, and the food's already cooked. You're standing around like, hurry up and do the awards. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. And the food's right there. So it goes, <laughs> you know, you have all the excitement of getting out of the car 
you know, all the chitter chatter of all the drivers. Oh, dude, that pass is amazing. And then the food's right there. And then, and of course, all the, the adult beverages that are just like everywhere, sprinkled everywhere. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, uh, and then we end up watching the videos and, you know, into the evening. So it's, it's a pretty cool, pretty, pretty cool experience. And then sat, uh, Sunday, you know, everybody usually wants to go home early. So we do the races a little early. We do races like, uh, Usually midday, midday around two or so, so people can start, especially for like Sonoma, like for you, it's easy, but for most of the people in the series, they're SoCal, so it gives them a chance it's a to, long, yeah. so it's a long haul, so, yeah. so it's all sort of uh, planned, to, okay. so it has a flow. Yeah. Relatively uh, low drama today, except for uh, having to swap Sonny's header. Like forty minutes before the race, <laughs> I'm gonna do it. So, so the story is superhero um, swap. We had uh, uh, Hannah, one of the new drivers, just really quick, but uh, wasn't wasn't feeling uh, really well with the heat and not. It basically, didn't sleep all week. There's this whole thing of like bouncing around in a 120 degree race car on like no sleep for several days, and kind of y- your head goes, "Yeah, no, I'm not doing that." <laughs> that doesn't sound so, like a good idea. So, Sunny qualified on pole, beat me by a couple tenths, and. Uh, and he had the option of driving Hanno's car, but he had to start at the back. Of course, it's a different car. He's like, but if I but if I steal his header, I can start on pole in my car. <laughs> He's like, ah, now we see. So basically, everybody who wasn't racing, all the all the crew and everybody, dived in, and it was a lot of clattering and wrenches clinking. And, and at the last minute, we'd swap the headers and got him out there, and uh, and he raced. It was pretty cool. But that's a typical Super Miata thing. Something. Something breaks and everybody who's not busy doing something else stops and, you know, pitches in, you know, it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was really cool to see, you know, just the fact that it got done. I mean, literally in 30 minutes. Swap, Thank you. Thank you, Austin. I know you were involved in, in, one of the, in, in one of the cars. I just turned a couple wrenches. Not a big deal. No, you were pivotal. I'm, Ser- I'm the, seriously. I'm the, <laughs> Thank you. I'm Thank the you. smallest guy, so I was the guy under the car. Right, right. That's, there you go. That's how it works, I guess. I the camaraderie of this series is just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, great. So I'm, ho- I'm hoping to make it to a lot more events and just come hang out with you yeah. guys and just kind of follow the series around and get to know everybody a little bit yeah. in hopes that uh, one day when I get some, some money again, I can come race. <laughs> yeah, we actually had planned. Uh, I, uh, somebody mentioned it the Thursday or Friday about doing a podcast out here, and I was busy doing so. I didn't think about it until the last minute. But uh, I thought one of these days we'll get you in a car. You just for a practice session. You know, bring your, bring your yeah. driver gear out. We'll stick you in a car. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, just so you can kind of get to get uh, a first-hand uh, experience of, of what an S2 is like. You, I'm sure you've driven a spec. Yeah. So you kind of know, you know what they what they how the cars are different and stuff like that. You can uh, comment on that. So yeah, I'm sure it has a, a lot more grip. Yeah, it's, it's just uh, better in every way. Yeah. Basically, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it really is. I mean, the cars um, they have. Uh, a wee teeny bit of downforce, the S2s, because they got the, the little ducktail. It's not a lot. It's just enough to kind of keep the car planted at speed. Um, got more torque, a little bit more top-end power, um, tiny bit more more grip. Not a lot. I mean, the the SCCAs running the Hoosiers, um, so probably, like, those, they'll stop a little harder. Right. But um, pretty close. But our cars, we always run lower lap times. on any, Whatever the, the, you know, lap record is for a given track, we're usually, what, two, two three seconds under the spec records. Two-ish. Um, two-ish, yeah. And our cars are cheaper. That was the, that's the, the beauty of it that we're really proud of is our car. You can build a front-running car for like 15, 18 grand. Right. And they, just, they just drive nicer, too. You don't have to compromise the car to go fast. Yeah, there's always the ride to... height issue with the specs, and we don't really have that. Are we? Our, ours actually go over bumps and stuff. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're not limited to a, you know, a shock package. That, you know, spec cars are, are great because they're, they're all the same. 
but it's not necessarily a great race car to drive. Whereas an yeah. S2 car, is a, it, you can go out and have a good time in that car with nobody around you. And you put a bunch of the same cars around you, and it's a fantastic time. Yeah, they're, just, a, they're fun cars to drive on track. They're re- rewarding cars, and they're not difficult to drive. And they're reward, you know, they're they're good cars. Yeah, so. I think it, I I like to characterize it as a, as a, when they're when they're set up right, they reward aggressive driving. You know, um, it's not a car that's going to bite you if you do something wrong. Like uh, if you ever driven like a, like a stock Lotus Elise, if you're not uh, used to it, you know that car could bite you. And once you get used to it, you kind of. But it, it takes a while, and you have to be kind of an experienced driver. Right. You put a novice driver on, try to drive it hard. They're going to chuck it off the track backwards yeah. a lot. Yeah, you can start using some of those things to your advantage if you know how to use. Them. Right, but it's it's so it's this really steep learning curve, you know. Where whereas with these. Um, if you if you're just kind of learning to drive, they're really benign. And as you start getting, they uh, appreciate kind of being driven to the scrap of their neck. A lot of entry speed, trail braking, braking really hard, thr- throttle steering, and they like that kind of stuff. And the only penalty is when you, if you do it sloppy, you just go slower. And, and if you get them a little wiggly, if they're really easy to gather up. So, um, like I, you know, some of us here have driven, uh, you know, a couple supercars, Vipers, and uh, he drives Lambos, and and uh, you know, for work, uh, Sonny does. He does the <laughs> does the does the coaching it with uh, exotics, exotics and some of us have had an opportunity to drive some of those cars and you know some of those they'll 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 bite you pretty hard if you get a little out of shape they're really hard to gather back up and these aren't these you can get them pretty pretty wiggly so ultimately it's like okay you can drive them slow and it's pretty pretty painless but if you drive them if you really really drive them hard that's the way they're fastest they like to be driven really really hard a lot of entry speed really late braking really aggressive driving and uh and they really teach you uh they teach you smoothness so uh and like andy was saying because the suspensions work you can like use the curbs you can, you don't have to like go around the bumps you can go right through the bumps and that's a big deal yeah um, that's my ma- major complaint with the specs is that unless you have the the sort of quasi legal uh, Reval Bilsteins, you know, they don't go over bumps really well, and that just frustrates the heck out of me. Yeah, yeah and you can't get into it as a, as a new driver. You can get into an S2 and go, you can learn how to go fast pretty easily because the car's approachable and it's not going to bite you in the butt. Yeah. You know, going over curbs and things like that. Whereas a spec, you gotta you got to know how to drive that car and get the most out of it. Mm-hmm. A yeah, a big part of it is learning the, learning the bumps. Um, I, you know, so I, I've seen spec lines, and they they'll drive a slightly different line than I would drive because there's bumps avoiding in, the bumps, avoiding the yeah. bumps, and and the, the tracks that they don't have curbs, they have to jump. Um, they set them up really low for the camber in mm-hmm. the aero drag, but when they have to go over curbs, they raise them up really high and lose the camber so that they can hop the curbs through a chicane or something. And ours, we just run the same height everywhere because it doesn't matter. They're you know they're low and they go over bumps. Um, yep. So uh, just little things like that, but yeah, I mean, it just makes some. Uh, the big thing is the the cost. We've got a lot of cars. You know, I, I would say the average build cost in the series right now is probably below twenty. I would think. Okay. And well below twenty. And that's with all brand new parts, essentially, like new suspension. Yeah, that's all not, brand. Yeah, yeah, not buying used stuff. Yeah, because most of the guys in the series, um, all but a few, have junkyard motors. Um, there's a couple of built motors. In fact, a couple of guys at my old, we used to race NASA, and we had a, a bunch of PT motors left over. I sold one. Kyle's got one. And I think, um, well, there's an OEM rebuild in, uh, no, in Aaron's car. Aaron's got one of my old PT motors, too. So there's a couple floating around that are built for his motors, but they, they're they all power caps, so everybody makes the same power anyway. It doesn't matter. Right. It just means he can over-rev it with impunity. But the point is, there's only a few like that. They're, most of them are junkyard motors, um, and that's a big part of the build cost. So we have a, we do a nicer shock. But, yeah, they're sub sub 20 um and i've heard didn't i I, somebody was telling me that danny stain's car is uh a new car is uh, reputed to have cost uh, 75 grand 
Yeah, I believe it. I think his old one was like 60. Yeah, and, so. and it used to be like a 50 grand spec Miata was like, ooh, wow, and now it's pretty run-of-the-mill. Now it's like a 35 grand spec Miata is pretty run-of-the-mill. Right. I mean, you go, there's probably, you know, I don't know, 30, 50 cars like that around the country. And you go to runoffs and the, the top 25 cars in the field are all 35 plus, And there's a couple of 50, 60, $70,000 Miatas. And they're slower than these. And they're not as much fun to drive. And it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, and yeah, you know, they Why? have their national series. It's a whole different experience. That's the, they get the TV time and it is a ladder series, which this isn't, this is all kind of informal, you know, low key racing. But, um, if you take that away, that gives us the ability to build these cars, you know, that are more fun, faster, more reliable. We have oil coolers and we have coolant reroutes, so they run cool. They don't overheat. You know, we don't have to do, you know, you look at a spec Miata. They run 300-degree oil temps, and then they run them a quart low, so they make an extra a power, uh, extra little bit of power, and they run zero-weight oil. You know, I mean, just, and, and they run that Joe Gibbs $17 oil, and it just goes on and on <laughs> and on and on and on. Yeah. You know. Cryo and And, and, uh, and uh, William, what do, you, what, do you, what do you run in your car? Junkyard engine only. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only. but what, what kind of oil? Aren't you running like uh, uh whatever's on sale? <laughs> <laughs> right answer. Just recently, AutoZone had it on sale, two dollar. Yeah, you know, all the synthetic oil, two dollars. Yeah. Run it. I do run synthetic though. Yeah. Oh, you do now. See, I yes. thought we were. I thought oh, you were running dyno oil. Oh, oh man, it up a little up bit. This is luxury I right have there. Standards. <laughs> <laughs> the so. great thing with the, the power cap formula we have in this series is phenomenal because you can take. You know, you can take a motor that's got, you know, making way over power and you can turn it back down or you can come up with a junkyard motor like Williams got or, you know, you can come up with a pretty basic formula and make the class power and not have to spend, you know, five or six or eight thousand yeah. dollars on a pro motor to just be competitive in the class. There are guys winning winning races out here every single weekend. The junkyard motors. It's a it's a junkyard motor. Yeah. You know, it's got a, you know, square top and an ECU and mm -hmm. away you go. And it's not it's not difficult to make competitive class power in this class. And that which was is a, great when we were building it. That was a big uh, uh, sort of a focal point was no secret sauce. We didn't want anything in the build of the car to require. It's like oh, to get that done properly, you need to know this guy, and it's his cousin, and he lives over here, and he's only there on Tuesdays, and and you got to go around the back, and you know it's like this really secret handshake to get this car built or being real expensive we's like no just go to this guy buy his kit bolt it on follow the instructions and then buy these shocks and here's the alignment settings you're going to do just do this it'll this will work and go to this guy to get the case but just all straightforward push this button you know all easy button swipe a credit card and boom it's done and 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 the power level that's what we picked that power level we can get more power out of them but the, it becomes fewer and fewer people there was a point where yeah, we, we could have made it like say, 170 horsepower which is doable but there's really only like four guys who know how to do it and they're sitting right here you know yeah. but everybody else would have to yeah. you know it would be difficult to do but at at 140 we have people showing up with their cars the first time ever and we've never really even talked to them and they're they're Power is perfect. It's like, oh yeah, I got a, I did what you said. I bought a junk air motor and uh, put an ECU in it, and it made 148. So we kind of retarded the timing a little bit. Now it's 140. Like, good, all right, perfect. We'll see it. We'll see you next Sunday. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. like it's it's so easy, and it's literally it's a 1200 motor they bought off of eBay, uh, 1100 ECU, 400 header, and a little intake. Then you kind of DIY intake. We have the recipe on our website for that. Um, it's like cost about 60 bucks. I think that's about it. <laughs> you know, and you can run them on pump gas, and if you want. You can run them on corn. Corn's cheap. 
Um, the nice thing about corn, what I like to do is um, you have, we have a high power map. We usually have a different ECU map. So when I run other events, uh, non-Super Meowth events. Run on the high power. Yeah, put it on the high power, make another 15, 20 horsepower, pull a ballast out, go goof around. Go make Corvettes and stuff, feel bad about themselves. We, uh, we harass for Corvettes, yeah. There's a, that's a standard Miata <laughs> thing, though. You don't, you don't, even, you don't need yeah, a fast Miata true. to do Actually, that. Actually, all yeah. the S2s already do that, as yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> yep. that, we're just going to harass more things. Well, I saw your qualifying video chasing that R8 around. That was very interesting. Where he gives you the point by and doesn't lift. And then <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah. Cool story, bro. Yeah. <laughs> really, it's it's the classic. He's making 500 horsepower. I lift it off. I'm making 250. It's like, yeah, that's still twice as much as I have, dude. You got to you gotta completely lift off it. Yeah, that's the guy who uh, parked me in the, in the drop zone, that, that gray uh, R8. That was rather exciting. And I I saw him come down for the holes. Like, dude, I've already, I'm like almost all the way to the apex, and he tries to stuff in there. We're doing like 95 into this, this drop thing. It's like a little, like a flattened corkscrew, you know? Mm-hmm. And... I see him. He's not. He's not going to make that. He's going way too, way too hot. So I, I leave him. You know, if it were William or Sonny in a race, I'd leave him. You know, leave him a car width over the curb. But I, I better leave him like a car width and a half just to make sure. And I'm doing that, and I'm still kind of turning in, but giving him room, even though he, he has no right to be there because it was it's HPD. This right. is not during the race, you know. Right. And and I see he's coming. It's like uh, he's not turning, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's headed for my door, and he's got you know whatever it's a hundred. What's our ten? Was that it's like a? He's going to care a lot more. That's like hundred fifty. Yeah, he's going to care a lot more if this turns sour. <laughs> so so I unwind and go out into the marbles, you know, and yeah, and he just about put it in my door, and then uh, I went over and uh, told the the vent master and. Uh, while I'm there, the guy kind of walked up sheepishly and said, "Dude, I'm sorry." Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "Oops." <laughs> so uh, he was uh, he's an aggressive driver, but that's that's uh, advanced, you know, HPD around the country. There's always somebody who's a. Uh, but it was he was big enough to to realize, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's, that's the bit, biggest thing is that he bit off a little more. I could chew. Yeah, and he came over and he came up to it. Said, that's, "Oops." That's always to me. You can always tell who you know who's really in it for the right reasons and kind yeah. of yeah. kind of understands it. There's a lot of guys that they would do that. They wouldn't think twice about it after it happened. They wouldn't come say anything to you. Oh yeah, and no, they would the guys... think they would think it was my fault because yeah. I was in a Miata. Yeah, you know? I think SoCal is <laughs> unique in that way, where you got guys who are out here and they've got their wits about them. Where you know you you do something like that and you make a little mistake and you go in a little too hot and you say, "All right, you know that was my bad." You go up and apologize and you know it's a very come you know camaraderie type deal. Yeah, where I think there's a lot of you know other areas of the country where. It's not that quite. Yeah, exactly. Happen. It doesn't, have, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. quite happen that I, way. Yeah, I, you know, it's maybe it's just because this is where I spend all my time doing track days, but I get the impression that there's more. I think it's the weather. The weather's here. It's, it's much better than most places. That there's more track days happening. So there's more guys doing more track days. So the the total like audience, the total number of people that are in, you know, medium to fast cars that have become, like, sort of advanced-level drivers, it seems like it might be higher here. You get more guys who are I more serious so. about it here, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that yeah, are really, they're really serious. And it's not to say that they aren't serious in other parts of the country. There's just they're just more here. Yeah, and I, I think it, it comes, I mean, you know, major NorCal area. and SoCal both have a lot of population, a lot of people that have somewhat decent disposable income. Yeah. And, I mean, they're just, there's a lot of car culture out here. Yeah, too. That's the, it's the car culture. It's car yeah. culture, for sure. So yeah. I think that's what drives, it, drives yeah. it a lot. Like, you go to a car meet here, and you talk about track days, and probably the people that are there probably understand what a track day is. Whereas yeah. you go to, like, a car show, you know, yeah, in, the, these days, in the Northwest or, or yeah. like, up in, you know, New England or New York, 
And you talk about a track day, and people are like, wait, what? I can I can take my car on a racetrack? I can do that? I can it's, take my car to a track? It's and... still propagating, I think, out there. Yeah, they. I mean, when we first started doing track days, you know, 2000, 2002, 2004. Well, I did my first back in, like, 92 or something. But anyway, um, but, like, 2002, 2004, when they, it would, that, that, that whole scene was starting to, to really explode across the country, um, it started in the south where the weather was good. You know, it was Chin and Speed Ventures were two of the two of the biggest ones that were having like events like every other other weekend and stuff. And um, so it it kind of starts here and it moves its way across the country. So they were well, there were for several years, there were a lot of events here. There were places, you know, in the Midwest where there was like one event in the state for the entire year. And here in California, there's like four every weekend. Right. You know, yep. and so so the the it just started here. So yeah, you're right. I think it is. Uh, uh, it takes longer to propagate to the areas where there's uh, n- no big urban centers. You know, because all the all the populations on the coasts. Yep. So in the, in, the, in the Midwest, there's fewer tracks and there's fewer big population centers, excluding like Chicago when you get all the way back east. Yeah. So yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah, but you looking like like Nebraska or like, you know, Oklahoma. I, feel I mean, for you, those have, you have a Hallett. But so scarce. You know, there's there's not a whole lot out there. Yeah, we talk to customers, you know, that call us in at the shop and and you know they want to get their car tuned or something, and I ask them where they are, and I pop it up to Google Maps, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're got a little bit of problem there. You've got like a 12 hour drive to the nearest anything, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you know, they're in the middle of nowhere, and, I, and I'm just kind of spoiled being in an urban area where. You know, he's uh, uh, Andrew's shop is up in the Bay Area, and I'm down in uh, south part of L.A. Uh, you know, in Orange County, and so there's like, oh, here's the guy who does the 3D printing. Here's the guy who does the the thermal coatings. Here's the guy who does the laser engraving. Here's the guy who does the five-axis machining. Here's the guy who does the, you know, the rapid prototyping. It's all right there. there. And yeah. Specialists and engineers everywhere, and then you go, you know, and then like tuners, like we'll pick one. Which which is your favorite? You know, yeah. And what if dyno do you like? Who's yeah. you know? Yeah, I, I need I need a loading dyno for this project, and for this one, I can just do a dyno jet because I just need to do some compliance runs or something. And you get spoiled. So I heard a clink. That's a clink of a beer. A clink of I a beer. Have somebody, somebody needs. To, I, I will get you one. Hold give on. Give me an IPA of some sort, will you? Will do. Oh, you, you, you know what's happened since uh, since the last time we were on the show? You guys picked up another uh, car. Uh, we should probably talk about a little bit. Uh, Snoopy. Yeah. Yeah. Snoopy. Tell, tell us about that. I was so you know, jealous. When Dan sent me the pictures of that thing, because that's exactly what I was looking for so for if, a daily. If, I was like, so no. if you're a, uh, for you, the Miata fans that are li- listening to this, if you're not a Miata fan, you know, you're, there's every we're market crawl, car has, crazy. Yeah, has, a, has a, a rare version. So the Miatas, um, there's a couple of rare Miatas. And again, I'm, I apologize to you non-Miata owners. You're like, what? Who cares, right? But anyway, if you're a Miata fan... Um, there's a thing called a Club Sport 2003 MCS uh, Mazda Club Sport, and it was designed, um, uh, marketed as a car um, for um, Showroom Stock B, Showroom Stock B, and uh, I believe back then it was uh, C Stock uh, Autocross. Autocross. Yep. Those, yep. those two specific classes, and it was basically a stripper. It was the car we all dreamed about, like the old GM, you know, Chevys and stuff, where you could buy a Camaro that was. La Copa Camaro had no, had like completely stripped, but had like a ZL1 motor. Right. You, you gotta love, you gotta love Mazda for it too, because there are so few manufacturers out there, even back then, who were doing true homologation specials. Yeah. And that was a legitimate homologation special. There were 50 cars made, 25 with a hard top, 25 with with a soft top. And, and then then they had red and white. So there's there was a, a total of 100 cars made. So so basically red or white, hard top or soft top, and. Um, 
And the unique thing with the Miata, of course, it's a really lightweight car. And if you've ever wondered why they go so fast on track, it's because they have real suspensions on them. You know, they have real wishbone suspensions, perfect right. weight suspension, and they weigh nothing. So right. it's basically a go-kart. So, yeah, they don't have a lot of power, but they don't, you know, a, an actual go-kart, like a tag cart, it's really fast. Yeah, they have 28 horsepower. It's because they don't weigh anything. <laughs> you know? and, a, and Miata's the same way. So that's the... so. Miata guys, for the for the most part, like just like people who drive like old Porsches or or Lotus uh, low tie, um, they're weight weenies. They're like they know what everything weighs, and so this car, they're like was, cyclists. Cy- yeah, like cyclists. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, bike racers anyway. So this car was uh, the the club sport was a very light uh, lightweight car. So it was, uh, manual rack. Um, no AC. Right? No, a- no, no AC. No, no radio. It's a blanking radio. place for the stereo. It's pretty cool. Um, anyway, so it's a rare car, and if you're a Miata geek, you like you want one, even if you don't have a use for one, you want one just because it's this rare car. It's the rarest of the Miatas. So I'm randomly cruising Craigslist like I do from time to time, and I see this Club Sport, and it's really really cheap. It's just, it's like a third of what the, what the cars were. Was it marketed as a Club Sport, or was yeah, the it guy, just... the guy knew it was a Club Sport? Huh. And it was in I'm in LA, and it was in San Diego County, which is about an hour and a half south of us. And uh, I look at the ad and I say, oh, that's a smoking deal. It's got a hard top and it's clean. Oh, man, I got to snap this thing up. And I'll just phone this guy. He's like, oh, there's no phone number in the ad. Oh, well, I guess I'll just send him an email. Oh, there's no email in the ad. It's like, well, the guy has no contact information. <laughs> and so in the Craigslist ad, there's a little button that says, this person didn't leave contact information. Click this button and we'll email him and try to get hold of him. So huh. I did that, but like, that's not going to work because they're just going to send him, you know. Yeah. He's not using his email. So... You know, on Craigslist a couple of years ago, they had the little map that shows yep. the circle. It doesn't show you that where exactly where it is, but kind of the area, the, the area. So I click on that, and it opens up Google Maps. And I go, hmm. Mm-hmm. So I click Google Earth, and I look inside of that circle, and I start going up and down the streets. And sure <laughs> enough, I see a house with the white Miata in the driveway. And it's like, gotcha. <laughs> so, so, so then I, so then I, I didn't hear this part of this. So I go down, so I go down to, so I go down to street view and in street, you know, street view. And if you've ever messed around with Google, yeah. Google earth, street view and the uh, Google earth don't always have the same. These are separate pictures. One's right. from the guy driving on the street and the other one's from satellite. Right. So I, I'm going down and I can't find the car on the street. But I go back to the ad, and there's this kind of an odd-looking fence behind the car, a kind of unique-looking fence. So then I go back to the street view, and I'm going up and down the streets within this circle, and I see a house that has that fence but no Miata in the driveway, and I that's the house. So I zoom in, get the, get the address, and then I go on Zillow and basically start looking, and I find the owner, and I start Googling <laughs> the owner and trying to find this, and I looked everywhere. I was looking Facebook, high Facebook, LinkedIn. Every, like, like, everything I could find, and finally... <laughs> Finally, it pops up as a Strava, a, Stra- a Strava member. Nice. And I'm on Strava. It's recycling and running. Message them through Strava. Yeah, yeah. So I message them through Strava. <laughs> hey, dude, I want to buy your car. <laughs> and I'm riding my bike a couple hours later, and I get a call, and I stop, and it's the guy, and I'm like, I'll be there in a couple hours. And we literally we drove. Dan and I drove to like, drop what you're doing, dude. I, and I told Dan, I said, if this guy calls. We're just going to drop it or do. We're going to blaze down there and get before anybody else does. <laughs> so it was a smoking deal. So, so anyway, so I was, quote, unquote, snooping. So that's what we named the car. We call it Snoopy. 
That makes so, sense. So that was the story. Yeah, I of the thought car you named itself. it Snoopy because it was white, and Snoopy was like, oh, that was the other part. Yeah. It's got the floppy ears, yeah. and so it, it kind yeah. of fit. If it was red, you could call it Clifford. Right. <laughs> well, we, all, we, are, we're, we already had a, a vehicle in the family called Clifford. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, Sonny's old uh, Ford uh, pickup. Which yeah. is now uh, Chris Safransky's. Yeah. Okay. So, so here's the thing, right? So I was talking to, I forget who it was, but somebody out of Chicago or out of Atlanta or something. And we're talking about car vehicle names, mm-hmm. like, you know, about the ambulance and everything. Yeah. And they're like, well, why don't you ask those 949 guys? They always seem to have, like, good names for their cars. Is that, mm-hmm. like, a SoCal thing or is that a 949 thing? I think it's a 949 thing, but, like, where did that actually start? You know, giving the cars an for actual us, name. For us, it started. What's that? It was, it was Enduros. For, for it was Enduros. Reasons. It started with Enduros, yeah. Okay. It started we had, with, we would we, have one radio and have two cars. And... Oh, one and, channel? Yeah, and one channel. And then we would have, if we were doing a three-hour enduro, a lot, a lot of times, like, when we, the, when we first went to the 25, we spent uh, not quite a year, or about a year, actually, no, a little bit less than a year, um, doing uh, chump car events, which were well, usually, like, either 16 or 24-hour, and then doing the three-hour um, NASA enduros. So when we were kind of trying we were building the team we would train drivers so we would even though like some of us could iron man and do the full three hours we would purposely switch the drivers and sometimes you'd forget who was in the car and the bottom line is you can't like we might have one driver starts in one car and finishes another so you couldn't say you know hey steve you know how much fuel you got left because you don't know what car he's in so you'd call it the name of the car and literally the first time we did it it was you know the orange Miata. It looked like the first event, and like partway through the event, it's like this is not working. So we we, we kind of came up with the name. I forget what, which car we named the first, but that it stuck. And we, so we with the, the convention was usually two syllables, okay. and it's kind of changed a little bit now. But all the cars got names, and it sort of propagated. I noticed a lot of the other vendors are doing that too. They named their named their project cars, um, and then also too, you know, people ask us like, well, why do you name your cars? It's like you look out in the back, and there's like three orange Miatas. There's like, well, pull in the orange one. It's like that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> you know. So we. So uh, so yeah. That's that's where they came. They came. Yeah, it was out of necessity. They, like most things, you know, mother of invention, right? Yeah. So. Well, there you go. So for the listeners who whoever was wondering about it, uh, there's your answer. So I was actually kind of curious too. So I appreciate you filling me in. Just just to give a little bit of insight, one of the big things among uh, naming the cars was also the fact that you weren't allowed to name your own car. So cars kind oh. of earned their names. It, it was it was it's the whole adopted puppy story. Yeah, where yep. someone else would essentially find a name for your car. Yeah, either it names itself or or someone else names it. But yeah, nobody gets the name name their own cars. Huh. Yeah, you can't name your own car. Yeah, yeah. So but I, I think I, I've named about half of them. <laughs> I assume somehow <laughs> it just pops in. <laughs> it just happens. We've we've had some pretty interesting names like like uh well, we had bubble we have bubbles bubbles buttercup buttercup yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, th- those are funny just because of you know Manny and I know about Powerpuff Girls, so we're just like we have to name out like some kind of series or something. <laughs> so yeah. why? I'm more concerned about why you guys know about Powerpuff Girls. I don't know. It's just <laughs> it's we're anime. Just, it was just a fun name. JDM fans. On, on, honestly, personally, I I I. I I, I, I was, it was a way for me to get back at Emilio because he named my first two cars, and I'm just like, okay, I gotta get him back on this. So it's like I gotta give him like some really silly names. No, nothing manly. <laughs> and then I prefer to man, uh, manly, uh, manly, manly for this. Yeah. And we're like, okay, we gotta think of something like really brony or or powerful gooey or something. You know, <laughs> it's like, the, the name stuck though, but the 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 it had to do with the. Uh, 
Buttercup was the color scheme. It was the bronze wheels with the dark green, and I guess that character, that anime character, is uh, the outfit is like green and gold or something yeah. like that. So I, I don't know what he showed me a picture nope. of it, but was, it's like was so it's Buttercup stuck. the car that's in all the Maxis ads currently? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that the car. We... When I whenever I do a street slash track NB, that's what I want it to look like on the fifteen by tens. I just that I think the car, car just looks phenomenal. When that car came out, when we f- got the fenders rolled and stuck those first set of production VR ones, and we saw that, it was like, man, that, that looks good. That looks good. Yeah. <laughs> it's so. Per- I mean, it's such a huge amount of tire, but it fits. It doesn't look too big. It just looks like a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know how you how you quantify that, but yeah, they, they, and and they fit and they work and 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 it was like for for every car, you know, whether you're driving a BMW or a Porsche or whatever, you always want to do this tire fitment. It's like it just barely fits, but it doesn't rub, and you can run it on the track under full compression load and it doesn't like you know rub anywhere. But there's these huge, massive tires, and for some cars you get lucky. So, you know, there's a tire manufacturer that makes that tire. There's the right wheel with the right offset and it fits. But for some other cars. You know, the platform, the owners, the enthusiasts for that car, they wait years and years and years. And for the Miata, we waited decades. Yeah. And then finally, you know, we we started with our 8-inch wheels and then our 9s and then our 10s. And then we basically lobbied and pushed a, a, every tire manufacturer. We finally got one that would listen. And that they, it took them three years, and we finally got the tire. And then we finally got the field, the, the 15 by 10 wheel. This is a 2,300-pound car. This is a little to- toy roadster slot car yep. with 10 inch wheels on it and they fit <laughs> under the stock fenders and you can run full steering lock full suspension travel and everything and with these big 245 tires and and 245 if you're if, it's, if you're a corvette guy you're like that's that's winky that's nothing but on, on a 2300 pound car that's a lot of tire yeah and and it just looks so badass it yeah, just looks it so badass it does yeah. are you guys doing the same setup on on snoopy right now or we did briefly you know it's funny okay. There's a local time trial series, uh, Roadster Cup. It's kind of informal, low-key, uh, and uh, we decided to go kind of Big Fish Little Pond, show up with with one of our fancy cars and run street class there. So we prepped Snoopy for it, um, put to 245s, and then got our butt kicked by some guy who really like had a properly prepared car. <laughs> <laughs> you know, His was way lighter, so we, we retired Snoopy after one event. So, yeah, it... it we did one track day with the big 245s under it, so yeah. it was pretty cool. So, well, what's what's the plans for the car now? Uh, it's gonna go back to go back to being a street car. It's one of those things. Uh, it's like any of us here. If you ever stumbled across a really good deal on a collector car, you'd kind of buy it first and then then figure out what and you're gonna do with it. it out, yeah. And that's it's kind of one of those things. Like I don't want to get rid of it because it's so rare. Yeah. And it just happens to be we're keeping all of the original, like the the engine with the original VIN, we're keeping that. Um, all the original, you know, the fenders and everything with all the original VIN numbers on it. So we want to keep it all. So some point, 10 years from now, whoever ends up with that car, if it's me or someone else, it'll be all factory. We're going to rebuild the stock engine, 100% rebuild. No blueprinted, no fancy, just completely stock. Just refresh. Just completely refreshed yeah. it. Um, and we kept the stock wheels and, and everything, and they're straight. Uh, we need to refinish them. Um, but, yeah, we're basically we're kind of restoring it and it's in pretty good shape now it's just a little tired it's been a daily driver parked outside 112,000 miles in southern california was he the original owner or? original owner wow so really no rust no damage underneath so it's not like a track car where they're all beat up underneath so it's all nice and clean underneath um no rat's nest stuff going on it's just daily wear for 112,000 miles so we can reupholster um, we color corrected the paint and it looks really nice and it's a uh, yeah there was you know 25 of those made 25 of those miatas it's a very yeah, rare car one of 25 that's pretty cool. Yeah, actually, there's a, a guy named uh, Brian Stetson in Atlanta that uh, 
helps uh, this company or helps run this company called Just Track It, and mm-hmm. he actually has a white one as well. So I know where two, two of the twenty-five. There's a few white yeah. top ones. Pretty, are. pretty rare, yeah. So yeah. that's really cool. It's got some kooky options on it too, like the the um, the hard top headliner. Yeah, we we didn't even know it had that. It's got some weird, funky options that are like only club sport. Deal. Really? Yeah, it's got yeah. a few components on that car that came on no other Miata ever. The Miata's been around. The, the, the first, second gen were what twenty? I have a uh, fifteen, sixteen year 16, run. Sixteen year run. Yes. Yeah, sixteen year run. Four hundred thousand cars is what I typically guess. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and and those hundred, or actually fifty of them, fifty yep. of them. Have those those headliner pieces? So Mazda made fifty of those headliners. So, huh. the, so if wh- we damage them, what's different them, about the headliner? Good luck. Yeah, you can. Uh, it's it's not that big a deal. It's just unique. It's just a unique part. It's okay. just a, ooh, that's different. Huh? You know. And there was a couple of uh, the other odd thing about it. It actually has an open diff. Really? So all of the sport model Miatas all had torsions. So, because it's a sport model, right? Yeah. Andrew's looking at me like, huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> We were thinking the same thing, but uh, Sonny pointed out that, that, that it was built for a class where limited slips, uh, it was short stock, huh. and you couldn't run limited slips in it. So it was actually shipped with an open, and that was the spec for that one. Interesting. It is interesting. And I was like, that's so strange. But it has the Bilstein Sport Shocks and the stiff, the bigger rear sway bar and the shorter springs, and it's so got such a weird car. Do you know how many? It is a weird car. How many of them? Sport car. package suspension. How many of them were actually sold in like C stock trim versus like track trim? Well, my understanding they did versus exactly. SSM versus um, no SSB show oh, stock yeah. B yeah. Uh, SCCA road racing, yeah. which is literally bone stock. Now the manufacturers would do all kinds of cheater parts, and the GM was famous for doing all these weird like one off. Oh, that ECU, that's production, and it's like yeah, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do but, none of the club sports have LSDs? Uh, I don't know if the soft top ones do because uh, okay. my understanding is the hard top ones were meant for SSB. Okay, and the soft top ones were meant for autocross. Okay, and the setup was because you could buy the hard top, and the hard top ones had no soft top. That's what's unique about them. All Miatas have a soft top. Every Miata ever built ever has a soft top in it. Right, minus right? the the power hard top ones. Yeah, 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 PRHD. But yeah, right, all right, I, know but, you, I know what you mean. I was just clarifying for but the yeah. listeners. So, so the soft top versions, um, or the hard top versions had no soft top, so that's 40 pounds, or right. 38 pounds, or whatever it is. Right. So the autocross guys would buy the hard top version and then run it without the hard top, which was legal. Huh. So it made it, at the time, a very light car because it had manual steering, no radio, and it was as light as you could get. Because in, in, like, in other classes, you can pull stuff out. Right. In stock class, you can't do anything. It's so hard. then... They'd order it, but then they'd have to put an open diff in it or order it with an open diff as opposed to an LSD? I think they just ran them with open diffs. Okay. Yeah. For oh. SSB. Is, you know, one of, the S, one of the SECA rules, they let guys, up, it's called update, backdate. Update, backdate. Where you can take any, any part from any year of that, you know, of a that year generation. range, right. and you can add that to your car. So if you have an SSM car or a CSP car mm-hmm. and you're running with no soft top, you have the 2003 Club Sport to thank for that. Yeah. Because without that car, you would not be allowed be to, to run your car without a soft top. Yeah, there's, right. a, there's a whole range of autocross classes that they can run because of those 50 cars that were built. And that's the homologation huh. part of it. So yep. it's, pretty, it's pretty Yeah, so a little, little bit, of, you know, again, it's a little bit of Miata geek history, too, to, to own one of those. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, too. 
um, you know, I have obviously know a lot of people who 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 know me honest, and I tell them I found a club store, and they're like, oh, and they you know, like their eyes light up. It's like it's a special car. It's like uh, like getting an old you know late sixties nine eleven S. You know, the one of those with all the aluminum parts on it. It's like yeah. it looks just like a regular nine eleven. Like no, that's a special one. Yeah, yep, and that one's a special <laughs> yeah. one. It know, harkens or, back to the days of like the mid mid to late sixties of all the uh, the NASCAR stuff. Yeah. They were building true, you know, they knocked out like 12 cars with yeah. for, for homologation purposes. Know, these cars were acid dipped, hard top body, yeah. we, you know, funky, super weird yeah. cars, but they were for this specific race class. With aluminum parts on them. Yep. Yeah. I remember yep. going to the Otis Chandler Museum. Yeah. Uh, in this like Ventura Oxnard, a long time ago, it was about 25 years ago. And he had a bunch of muscle cars there. And one of the, co- the cool, one of the coolest, like for me, one of the most desirable cars I ever saw, it was a. Uh, I want to say it was a 69 or 70 Camaro. It was a 69 Camaro, and it was uh, for it was set up for road racing. So it had a four-speed manual box, and it had aluminum. It's aluminum small block or aluminum big block. I forget what it was, but it had like, like aluminum parts all through it. Like the diff cover huh. was aluminum. The the gas tank was aluminum. Um, the interior was completely super simple. I mean, it, and it had. Uh, uh, it, had, it had a slightly wider steel wheel. It had a bunch of aluminum parts on it. So it, I forget, like, the regular Camaro was, I don't know what it weighed. It was, like, whatever, 3,200 pounds, and this one was, like, 2,950 or something. It was, like, it was like 250 pounds lighter than the rest of them and made, and it revved, like, 8 grand. The factory red line on that one, it was just a super high red line with aluminum motor. And I guess they made, like, it, it was like you said, it was make, like, six of them or yeah. something. And it was little, all factory optioned out. Why, why don't manufacturers really do that that much anymore? It's too expensive. I, yeah. the, and the class don't require it anymore. Yeah, you don't. You you look at classes. I mean, maybe WRC does a little bit, but you look at NASCAR. I mean, those cars bear those cars almost even, no yeah. resemblance to, no, a, not to at a factory all. car. Back back in the seventies, you had to it's have the actual car. It was the actual car, and yeah. you had to make sure the yeah. motor and the body. I, mean, you know, I think conforms. there's stories of like NASCAR yeah. teams actually driving their NASCAR cars to the track. Yeah, there <laughs> are stories them. of <laughs> them breaking cars and going to dealers to get parts. Yeah. <laughs> Back in back in the '60s, you know, yeah. then of course it got bit where they were. They're, they're, now they were just like silhouette cars. They have no no yeah, no resemblance no, to production at yeah. all. Yeah, they've been that yeah, way for the last stickers. probably 20 years or so. But yeah, that, yeah, Otis, anyway. that Otis Chandler collection, I remember one of the cars in that collection was a '64 Ram Charger. You, a, you've seen the Chandler collection? I had a when I was like 13 years old. I had a book of that collection. Oh, okay. that had a whole bunch of cars it's from amazing. that collection, and it was like a '64 Dodge Ram Charger, and it was one of 12 cars. It was yeah. a factory acid dipped hardtop. You open the glove box. It has a sticker in the glove box. It says this car has solid lifters, twelve and a half to one compression, yeah. and no factory warranty. You could buy it <laughs> brand new off the lot, and the manufacturer is like, "If you nope. break it, it's don't yours, bring it you, buddy. <laughs> don't don't even bring it back here. It's, it's pretty much we know what you're going to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> just don't. And that just was, don't. That was back in the day when you could, you know, you know. They had Corvettes. We you know one of the one of two, the '69 ZL1 Corvette. Mm-hmm. Where the motor made "quote unquote" four hundred and twenty-five horsepower, yeah. and you bolt headers and a carb on it, and it makes five ninety at <laughs> yeah. the tire, and yeah. runs mid tens on slicks. Yeah, it's like you sure, know, it made four twenty-five. Yeah. Companies have done it recently. Like Ford had the Cobra Jet. There, it's coming back. Ford had the Cobra yeah. Jet for a while. You look, actually, it's it's stuff like like the new LT4 in the Camaro you know it is? SS. It's, it's all the engine management, modern engine management, made has made this made this all possible. Yeah. Um, the, 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 these super high output cars that still pass all the emissions tests yep. and they they can um, meet the requirements of the emissions warranty so they, they'll you know the cats are going to last 100,000 miles and it you know it 
blow is like incredibly clean and everything, and it makes like a zillion horsepower, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And you couldn't do that back, um, you know. So cars, fuel injected cars in the '90s, you know, the ECUs were simple. You know, they weren't. A lot of them didn't even have crank triggers. It was so basic. Pre OBD two, they didn't have yeah. crank triggers on. They're just running like a cam angle sensor, and the belts flopping around. It's like there's no precision there at all. The Miata's like that, but there's a lot of other production cars that are like that. But now, modern cars all have you know what any modern production car now that's in the last like four or five years, it has an engine management system that would be considered like. 20 years ago, it'd be like Formula One state of the art, like 62 trigger wheels, um, um, super fast wide bands that actually monitor each cylinder as it's going down, and like multiple yep. squirt fuel injection that they're they're like you're cooling off the chamber if if it's like starting to, and then it's like monitoring during the combustion cycle and all this crazy stuff, and mm-hmm. you couldn't with that kind of stuff, you can build really high output engines that meet emissions, and and the and the parts last, the cats will last, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, man. Oh. Go, going along those same lines, um, I know they're uh, just the last podcast uh, you you had a CXC uh, racing regarding the uh, sims. Yeah, um, there's some other sim manufacturers using these exact components that are already in the cars, and they're using them to their advantages to build their own sims, uh, especially like the uh, the new Chevy cars that have the electronic uh, dampening. Uh, stabilizers and uh, uh, electronic ride height adjustments. They're mm-hmm. tapping into the these so the systems. CAN bus, yeah. yeah, the CAN bus to be able to make the car move and actuate using the shocks that are already in the car huh. um, and running sims off of these. So it, it's in, absolutely incredible um, the amount of electronics or just the amount of control that they have and the things that they can do with just modern cars that we would never ever imagine even 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. it's nuts. The 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 we have you know our Indy the one that you were driving in today so you know the Indy Miata it's uh it's not an expensive car they're like twenty eight grand so it's a it's an entry level sports car these days you know cut and when I was a kid that was that was an expensive car but that now <laughs> it's like an entry level sports car it's not exotic nothing fancy um, and it's a simple kind of elemental driving experience yeah but that thing has got native sensors all oh, o- over yeah. it so one of the things we were just showing um, Andrew here uh, an hour ago showing a, a picture of one of our cameras we were, were taking uh, pictures of our uh or we have some semi-active shocks that were that, oh, were, nice. that were, were just shipping the first set of those and we're working on uh we have like a simple um software control system uh now that just uses basically a a, a standalone four axis uh accelerometers okay right? now that's because that kit, that that control system is designed for any car. So you could take those shocks and put them in any other car, like an old car, like like the old Miata that doesn't have any any sensors on it at all. But the the next step for us is another control system um, with DSE Sports that uses all the native sensors. And and again, it's like I was saying with like what used to what's production now is like what was high end. Like in, in like in a Rolex twenty four car from like twenty years ago, that's what's like production now. Right. So the the Indy has got four axis accelerometer, so up and down, rotating left and right, pitch, roll, um, you know, yaw, yaw rate, and then it's got GPS in it, and then it's got brake line pressure sensors, and then it's got steering angle sensors, and then it's got individual wheel speed sensors, and throttle position, and it's got you know sensors all throughout the engine, monitoring oil pressure, oil temperature, coolant, coolant pressure, all this stuff, all native. So the shocks, you know, obviously they're not looking at the engine, but all that, all the physics data coming in from the car, we can 
we we have a uh, we're we're basically developing a control system that will plug into the CAN bus and will take all that data. So the shocks will know what that where that what that car is doing mm-hmm. in in 3D space at any given time. What what the what the yaw rate is, how fast it's going, where it is on the planet. Right. You know what the weather is. <laughs> I mean, it knows yeah. it, every and the thing is, and you can tune all that stuff too. You yeah. can go into this with this really uh, high end uh, interface um, and. What blows my mind is that you're not plugging anything in. No. You literally take this little, and it's a, it's not even a cable. It's a Bluetooth. It's a little plug, and you plug it into the CAN bus, and it talks to another, this little control box for the shocks, and you have basically active shocks. You can make the car, like, yeah. lean into the turn or lean out of the turn, do whatever you want. It's crazy. A few years ago, I, I had a, a system kind of similar but not as advanced in mm-hmm. my FRS. It was kind of a prototype, mm-hmm. and it was it was really amazing uh, it was tied into the CAN bus system a yep. little bit. It never got into production or anything, um, but it was really amazing how you know you could be driving straight on the highway and it would ride real nice and soft mm-hmm. because the shocks were just you know loose. Mm-hmm. And then literally you could throw it into a corner and you could feel it tighten up. Yeah, you know the outside shocks would, would yep. get stiffer, the insides would be a little bit softer. Yep. Uh, or if you braked, you know the fronts would tighten up. And it's all tunable. Uh, yeah, you're like, oh, I want it to dive a little more. Yeah. Or I want it to be, you know, in this low speed turns, I want the car to be a little bit loose and I want it to be a little bit more neutral in the high speed or right. vice versa or whatever. Yeah. And we kind of, the nuts. guy that developed it, we kind of envisioned that maybe one day people would be emailing suspension tunes back and oh, forth to each other. Just that's, that's our sharing plan. Sharing tunes, yeah. With our plan so. with, our, with our ACE kits is to have a, a default and we'll have a, kind of a track spec tune that we, we email out to our, our customers, something that we yeah. developed. Because um, You'll have default settings, and then the customer, it's so complex. It's like, you know, sending somebody, you know, a Linux machine. It's like, you're just going to mess things up. Don't try it. Don't worry about it. Don't turn it on. Don't boot it up. You know. I wonder what that would do for for class parity if people had to run the same suspension settings. Well, it would be we you know I don't think anybody's uh, I don't think it would ever get to well. There's very few classes that that allow it. Yeah, like in autocross, none of the classes allow it until you get to like XP and stuff like that. Um, So there'll be a few autocrossers that do it in local, like non serious, you know, non uh, non non national events. You'll see some guys doing uh, uh, probably like nasty TT and stuff with them, but um, it's really just for. The guy who wants to mess around with the car is HPD car and get, get, gets it to work well, but yeah. but still, just that we can have a conversation like this and, and talk about this, and and it's not, you know, it's not a dream. It's not a dream. <laughs> it's this actually happening. Like, this is like world. Ten years ago, this is world class data acquisition. Oh yeah, yeah. like uh, the the level of of data availability and actual usage of this data 10 mm-hmm. years ago was like the kind of stuff that was guard like heavily guarded secrets 10 years ago. Yeah. And now we're just we're chatting about it, mm-hmm. you know, hanging out. And, oh yeah, it's going to be in our aftermarket parts and you know whatever. It's it's incredible how far it's come in the last in the last 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Just it's incredible. Really, it's really just nuts. incredible. Yeah. So, so working on the working on the old Miatas, it's like it's like Model Ts. They're so simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's that's half of what's fun about the messing around with the Super Miatas. That that you know we're we're all we have the one part of our daily life where we're messing around with this newer high tech stuff. But with the old Miatas, it's it's uh, it's simple. It's fun. They're they're rudimentary. They're robust and simple. And they've always been that way. The character of the car has always been. 
um, you know, kind of Toyota-like, where you just, well, you put oil in it if you want, but mostly you just drive it, and it just yeah. doesn't break. You know? <laughs> it just, and you beat, you know, let's, let's, you beat the heck out of them. You know, yeah. they, they tolerate over-revving, they tolerate overheating, they tolerate being chucked off the track every now and then, and they just, they just keep running. Yeah, I mean, yep. the alignment's knocked out, but it still seems to handle sort of okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It works. Well, awesome, guys. Well, uh, we're getting about an hour into this here now. So we'll probably uh, go ahead and cut it short. You guys have anything else to add or anything? No, it's just a Super Miata yeah. Chuck Wall edition. Barbecue, barbecue edition. When's, uh, when's the next event? Next event is uh, April, I want to say, eight, April, oh, April, Fools. 1st. April Fool's. April Fool's. It's the fake event. Um, okay. Fake event, yeah. <laughs> uh, is, is anybody going to show up? We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> uh, Big Willow. Um, okay. Willow yeah. Springs. Uh, it's a Saturday-only event. That's uh, Such one a of our- cool track. My, my second favorite track in the state. Yeah. After Infineon. Yeah, yeah so a, for those of you cool on, in the it's East Coast, track. it is the yeah. fastest track. Take Infineon. Yeah. Fastest in the West. You take yeah. Infineon, you take all that technicality, <laughs> and you add 30 miles an hour to the top speeds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so even even little pea shooter Miatas, the average speed's like, it's like, like 94, mm-hmm. 90, almost a, Almost 95? 100 miles an hour. Man. Yeah, and that's that's a regular Miata. If it's <laughs> anything fast, it's anything fast there, your your average speed's like 102, so 104. So a regular Miata is just pinned everywhere. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in a if you're in like a one six spec, and you're on Hoosiers, and it's in the afternoon when the wind kicks up, you can do the whole track without brakes. Really? Yep. Because <laughs> there's, there's 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 two two turns you get into where you would normally have to break. You have a headwind. Yeah, and it slows you down just enough. It slows you down just enough. You basically lift and huck it in there, and and that scrubs off the three <laughs> or four miles an hour you need to get rid of, and you just fly into turn one. Because normally when there's no wind, you know, like in our cars, we'll come into about one sixteen, but a one six spec in the afternoon. We'll barely get in there about 104, 103, something like that. And the apex speed's like 100. So basically, you just go in there and you just gotta go, to go, Wah, mm, <laughs> Do you have a bump trapping story about Willow Springs, Million? Oh, I, I do. That was a, that was a NASA event about four years ago. And he was there. I had a dying motor. He had a dying motor. And I had our uh, super, which is motor. our super badass. Um, uh, PT, uh, basically the original points build, you know, the one that was making 140 something horsepower. And uh, so I'm turning 138 fives, just, you know, cruising around, you know, knowing the motor's hurt, you know. And I'm doing like 32s. You know, <laughs> yeah, 107 miles an hour, you know, through eight down the front straightaway. So Emilio comes by and he's starting behind me and he goes, I'm going to, I'm going to push him. I'm going to push Andrew. <laughs> was it, I think it was the second day. And I think the first day I ran away and hid and it was like, I was, I was just kind of bored. And I thought, yeah. well, I'll, I'll, I can push him for a while in the back, pass him and then still go on to win the race. I had, I had so much extra, extra speed. <laughs> so I kind of misjudged my closing <laughs> rates. I got a big dent in my rear bumper still, <laughs> still. to this day. <laughs> I got the new bumper hanging on my shop. I, I think I hit him. But a ten I mile think, an hour closing. I speed. think it, I think it was more like twelve or fifteen. I like. I remember when I hit. And normally, when you hit somebody hard, the guy in front does the head snap. It, I, I hit him so hard that my head went forward. I was like, oh, I was like, oh ow. My, but, my fast lap that whole weekend, I was you know thirty eight two, thirty eight three. That single lap, he pushed me the whole way around the track, yep. down the front straightaway. Through the you know, turns. <laughs> you know, between one and two, down the back straight away, through eight, 
It's like a one thirty six five. It's like a two <laughs> seconds, like a second and a half, two seconds faster. That single lap. I think he was telling was like you were seven or eight miles an hour faster in every single fast section of the track. And I think I remember a couple times because he was like used to running a, uh, the gears for when he wasn't being pushed. I had to, I had I, to make I, extra shifts. I, I, I kept hearing, no, 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 no. I'd be pushing him up against the limit, or you'd oh, yeah, I got shift. Like, I've never used fifth here before, but today I'm using fifth. That was That's fun. Great. So, awesome. Well, I look forward to having more uh, more good times with you guys this season. We'll have to get Absolutely. you behind the wheel of a car and yeah, uh, come out and do fun. some more barbecues. Yeah, that'd be great. Cool. Well, appreciate it, guys. Have a good night, everybody. Thank night. you, sir. You too. Thank you. That's the way it goes. Yeah, this is the SBM Barbecue uh, Edition. Yeah. Cool. Works for me. Wait, Sonny, how do you say your last name well, again? Watanasirisuk. I missed out on the bread. That was like the thing I was so excited about. And after I came back from my bike ride and yeah, it was all gone. The bread was delicious. Go ahead and check your mic again. I, I want to make sure sangria, that good. But I did get the fruit. One, two, three. One, oh, two, three. Yeah. We're good. Sweet. I just might not have had it turned up loud enough. Cool. You guys ready? Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. Sweet. Five, four, three, two, one.